Hello and welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. My name is Harry McBain and stepping in for Dan this week is our guest co-host Bobby Addison. How are you, Bob? I'm going great, thank you. Thank you for having me on this morning. It's great. Now, this week we are speaking to a man who has played in the top flight of English football and has also represented Wales on the international stage. Sunderland fans say you should play for Brazil. It's Danny Collins. How are you, Danny? Good morning, Harry. Good, thank you. And you? Uh, very good, thank you. So, Danny, obviously, when you started out your career, you were at um, Chester City. And uh, if I'm right in thinking, you had Ian Rush as your manager then. So what was it like playing under him at such a young age there, would you say? Yeah, well, I um, obviously, I didn't start um, into the first team at Chester until I was 20, I think it was. Um, they were obviously in the conference at the time um, when I joined. And the manager, funnily enough, the first manager got sacked a few weeks after when I joined and they were struggling at the bottom of the conference. Then, oh, yeah. Um, then it, yeah, as you say, we had a couple of managers. Ian Rush came in with uh, Mark Hazelwood as his assistant manager. Um didn't really work out for him, I don't think, in terms of management. Um, so he left. And then uh, Mark Wright, Mark Wright, the big um, centre-half, you know, obviously used to play for England. He came in and t- took over us, yeah, and um, got us got us organised, really. And, and we went on to win the conference and uh, took Chester back to back into the Football League um, in 2004, I think it was. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a good time. And, yeah, he, he took me, really, from... Um, I was playing as midfielder really when I joined Chester, so centre yeah. midfield and just in training really, he pushed me back to centre half. I had a look at me there and uh, obviously liked liked me at centre half and and that was there. That was me really at centre half, sort of left back because he liked the back three at times. So I obviously yeah, yeah. being left footed, I played on the on the left of the three at the back. Um, so yeah, it was good. Yeah, so it sounds like obviously you had quite a. Uh... A sort of interesting start to your career moving from like midfield down to a defensive role and then obviously yeah. out of all the managers you've had since obviously you've been played you played under quite a lot of managers and you've been like experienced yeah. who would you say sort of did you have anyone that was sort of like a role model to you or did you sort of look up to anyone who sort of influenced you quite a lot when you were playing yeah, I mean, I've probably had 20 plus managers in my time and you get um, yeah. all different characters. Um, some, you know, some you get on with, some you don't really take to. Um, I'd say Mick McCarthy, obviously signed me at Sunderland just after I left Chester in two, uh, October 2004. I came up to Sunderland and I like Mick. I like everything about him. I think he's honest. Um, his man management skills are good. Um, he can have a tear up in the changing rooms when he needs to, uh, to get into the lads. Um so he, he sort of ticks a lot of the boxes, really. And he, he obviously gave me a chance to go from Chester, who at the time were obviously playing in League Two. Yeah. When I joined Sunderland, fourth, fourth in the Championship when I came up to Sunderland. So uh, he took a few uh, lads similar to myself, Liam Lawrence, who was at Mansfield, Dean Whitehead at Oxford, and give us, yeah. give us our chances to, to come up and play at a high level and for a, for a club the size of Sunderland. So uh, yeah, you know, I'll always respect Mick for that and thank him for, for giving me a chance to, to come and play at a higher stage. And... Obviously, I had Roy as well, Roy Keane. Um, the season we mm. won the championship for Scotland as well. Um, again, a, a fiery character, as everyone knows. Yeah. But, uh, so, someone, someone I got on well with off the pitch as well. Um, so I've had a lot of good characters. Gary Speed with Wales. He took over Wales from jo- uh, just after John Toshak and and took Wales forward. I think um, you know we were struggling at the time, sort of hundred plus in the world, and then. 
Gary came in, took over, and just changed everything really. The standards in training went up, um, the, the standards just around the camp really, everything was done proper, um, professional about it, and uh, and it just went on from there. Unfortunately, you know, we, we know what happened with Gary, and then Chris Coleman's took Wales on from there really, and you know, they've yeah, he's done a great job as a, as a country. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely like amazing how far they've come, especially in was it the, like the twenty sixteen Euros? They did like they got into the semi final. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, semi semi final. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. semi final. We got to yeah. I mean, um, even as a England supporter, that was brilliant seeing Wales go all the way. I mean, it was like really nice to see yeah. the home nation doing so well. In your group, I think Iceland was that when Iceland knocked you out in the quarters, did they? Was that right? I think obviously we got to the semis. I'm not sure, but yeah, so. Um, oh, yeah, oh, don't remind me of that day. <laughs> that was a bad day. Yeah, I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm used to quite a lot of disappointment. Uh. Now, your your longest spell at a club was at Sunderland. What made you stay at the club for five years? Um, I was enjoying it up there. You know, I say come up five years, they were in the championship. I had two, two promotions, won the championship twice to get back up to the Premier League. Um, just enjoyed the football and got used to, to knowing what it's about to play football up here. You know, it was a big expectation in the northeast. The they live and breathe for the football. Um, Monday to Friday, you go out around the you know the city centres of Newcastle, Sunderland. They've all got the shirts on. They just love football, and you grow accustomed to to seeing what it's like for these yeah. people and what football football means to to them as a city. I don't know if you've seen the the Netflix documentary, Sunderland Till I Die, yeah. you get a good taste of what it's like and what it means to the people of Sunderland. And uh, I just loved, loved my time up here. I was obviously just going into my sixth season. Um, but then I, I left to, to join Stoke in 2009. Um, my wife's from, from the North East. Uh, I met her not long after I came up here. So obviously I'm, I'm back living up in the North East now. Uh, and I, I enjoy it and I love, I love the place. Great. And also, obviously in your career you represented Wales like multiple times and playing under like lots of different players you played Ryan Giggs, Gareth Bale so what was it like when you first got that call up to play in the international team what was your like feeling because yeah. you must have been obviously really proud about getting into the team yeah I was I was, I was in my second season at Sunderland when I obviously got the call um, I think Mick called me and said oh you know John Toshak's been on asking about you getting into the squad and then I went mm -hmm. down and I think I was obviously 24 at the time but Still fairly young in terms of where I'd obviously played. So I've come through the lower leagues yeah. to, to get to, to Sunderland. And then, as you say, to go and join up with the squads. And then you see, you know, people like Ryan Giggs, who I've, I've obviously been he's a little bit older than me, although I'm 38 now, you know, Ryan's still a bit older than me. So I'm used to watching him week in, week out, you know, tearing, tearing players up on the left wing for Man United. And to go down there, some yeah. big experienced players, you know, we're in my first squad. Um, John Artson was still in there. Um, Robbie Savage was in there. So there was a lot of characters in there, you know, uh, vocal characters, Craig Bellamy, obviously. So it was, yeah, you, you know, you go into the squad for the first time. And you are quite, you know, it's like your first day at school, I suppose, joining the classroom and you're quite not nervous a bit about it. But once you get out on the training pitch and you get to know yeah, the definitely. lads and everyone's chatting at dinner time, it's, it's fine. You know, you, you have to try and get that club mentality level, I think, at international level. Um, I think you've probably seen that with England in the World Cup. They seem to get on well and bomb yeah. off the pitch, which is vital, I think. And, uh, you know, going for, as I say, going forward with Wales, obviously, when, when Gary took over later Definitely, on, yeah. we sort of had that mentality of it being a club base, but you're, you're away with the, 
the country. And yeah, you know, you've got your Gareths, who you know, superstars play for Real Madrid, and you come into come into the Welsh squad. And, but there's no air about that in, in, yeah. when he's in and around the squad. You know, everyone sort of mingles in together. Everyone gets on as a laugh and. Doesn't matter what club club you're at or what level you're playing at, you've got to have that uh, togetherness. Now, you mentioned before that you've won the the championship twice, 2005 and 2007. What did it mean to you to win this trophy and to win it twice? Yeah, I think um, out of the two, I think the the second one more so because the first, when I joined, obviously the first time I they were already fourth in the league and. I think I played 11 or 12 games in that season. It was tough to get in because, you know, we had a settled team. They were doing well, so I couldn't get too many outings. Um, the, the second time round under Roy, I think I played about 40 of the 46 games. So, you know, I was obviously a big part of it. And, and you feel it more so that you've, you've contributed and you've achieved more um, by winning it and playing the amount of games that I did. And no, it was great, as I say, because obviously in between that, we the first year we went on, up under Mick, as you say, in 2005. Then we came back down from the Premier League straight away. And then obviously to bounce back the, the following year again was was a good achievement because it's, you know, it's a tough place to play in the North East when things are going well. You know, 49,000 in the stadium of light, it's, it's a great place to play and to get behind you. But on the flip yeah. side of that, when things aren't going too well, you know, so that Premier League season, we didn't have a lot of victories and, you know, Teams were coming up here, and when you go a goal down, you can hear the groans in the stadium, and you have to have a strong, you know, strong character yeah. and thick skin to go and play in that stadium. And I think a lot of lads over the years, I play with a lot of lads up there, you know, can go into their shells. I mean, I'm still, I still mm-hmm. go and watch the games at the minute, and uh, I've been, you know, living not far away, and you know, seeing them in League One, still getting thirty odd thousand in League One. And it's tough for some of these boys. There's massive expectation for the club to go to go back up. You know, they can't can't stay in League One forever. Yeah. You've got to get back up to the Championship. And when results aren't going, massive expectation on the players. And one or two do do go into their shells and yeah. go missing in games. So uh, you know, it's a, it's a good place to play. You've got to you've got to have that thick skin. Now, you've played in the Premier League with Sunderland and Stoke. What was it like to play in the top flight of English football? It's a good experience. I think, yeah, yeah. So the first season I touched on there where we, we obviously it was a learning curve for a lot of us boys who had come from lower leagues to go up and take that step up into the Premier League. And it was a, you know, if you like, a bit of an eye-opener for us, a learning experience. And um, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's a different level in terms of when you've played at all the levels and you're playing the, your League Twos and stuff, and it's different football for me. You, you know, you go to the likes of your Man Cities and your Chelsea's and as a centre-half in League Two, you're probably adding 30, 40 balls in a game, whereas you're going up to the top, you know, against the top sides, and it's all quickening around your feet, stuff around the edge of the yeah. box, and you probably head three or four balls on a Saturday, so it's different football in a way, and just a good learning experience. You're coming up, you know, you want to test yourself against the best, and you, you're coming up against, you know, Thierry Henry's, Van Persie's, Ronaldo, uh, these sort of boys. It's what you want to do. You look forward to going out there to do it on a Saturday, and yes, you know, results might not come off for you, but at the end of the day, you've got to the top and you're, and you're testing yourself against these lads. Well, as you said there, there was the, the difference in heading and more skills in the Premier League. And we all know there's a big quality difference between the Championship and the Premier League. Just how big as a player is that difference? I think, yeah, the sort of top, top, top six to eight in the Premier League, yeah. And I think... On any other day, the the rest of the Premier League can beat each other. And I think if you take the sort of, you know, your top four or five from the Championship, you 
well, looking back from Leeds, West Brom's, uh, you know, these teams in and around there can go into the Premier League. As, you know, you look at Sheffield United and Wolves, who, who obviously have gone up in recent times, and especially Sheffield United last season, um, didn't have too many players to his squad. Uh, a lot of lads hadn't played in the Premier League before, but he believed in the system they played, you know, with the 3-5-2, the, the wing, you know, the, the outside centre-halves bombing on and joining in, and they just took to it, and they, they weren't in, you know, showing any fear whoever they were going up against last season, so it can be done. And I do think there is, you have to show, obviously, a, a bit of respect here. You know, you go to the Etihad, you can't think you're going to go and out-football Man City or you can't go to Anfield and try and out-football mm. Liverpool at the minute. So you've got to show teams respect. But at the same time, I don't feel like you can go there, I think you can shut up shop for 90 minutes, you know, two banks of yeah. four on the edge of the 18-yard box and hope you can grind out a result. I don't think it's going to happen. So you've got to have that balance of, a bit of self-belief in the camp that you can go there and cause them problems. But at the same time, don't go gung-ho and think you're going to go and out-football, you know, some of the top players in the world. Yeah, I mean, I definitely say, I agree with you, because you obviously you've seen this season in the Premier League with like Sheffield and Wolves coming up. And it uh, even Norwich, like um, they beat Manchester City like in this league. And I think sometimes they just show maybe players that play in sort of Guardiola's system, it's like nice passing football. But especially what Chris Wilder's been doing at Sheffield United, if you just get that sort of like the English, like hard, just, you know, just get on with the football and, you know, play as well as you can. If you want, if you want to win, then people like you can easily do it. And obviously when you're playing in like the Premier League, people now they're playing against you've got Bamiang and all these like difficult strikers in your area. It was like the Drogba's, Ronaldo's, Henri. When you're playing against those sort of players, what would you say is the most difficult? Is it possibly them getting in your head at points or is it just their skill is sort of difficult to uh, handle? Yeah, you know, you've just got to be focused. I mean, you could be having a good game and then in the flip of a hat, you know, there's a through ball and bang, they're in on goal. And it's just yeah. that concentration levels. I think, you know, as I say there, if you go into the top teams, you, you're more than likely going to have less than 30%. So as a, as a defender or the back line, you're got to be switched on, got to be focused throughout the game. And as you say, a little lapse yeah. in concentration and bang, they're in behind you and, you you know, you concede in a goal. So just concentration levels as well. And, you know, touch it again on Sheffield United. They obviously went up from the one up from the championship. Um, confidence in the squad, you know, they know how they play their system. And it's just that belief that the manager, I think, as you say, Chris Wilder's filtered down into the squad I can imagine what he's like. I don't. I've never met him, but I know. I know Darren Ward, the goalie coach, and he talks highly of him. And I can imagine he's just out on the training ground saying, "Yes, we're coming up against these top players, but believe in what we're doing, believe in our system, and it's worked mm -hmm. for us." And just keep at it. And I think watching Sheffield United, I don't think they try. You know, everyone's become obsessed over recent times with splitting the centre halves on the six-yard box and trying to play out. You know, right next to the keeper, and it's all well and good when you're one of the top teams, but. You know, I've been watching Norwich, they're still trying to do it in the top flight and they're getting high pressed, yeah. they're getting high pressed by the top teams. And, you know, yes, they are good players, but they're not the top quality players who, who can do it and they used to do it. And they're going to get yeah. caught time after time. But the managers tell them to do it, then they're trying to do it. Whereas I don't think, looking at Sheffield United, they, they've tried to do that too much. You know, I know, I know Dino and Dino's kicking it long and then they're getting the second balls. Then they're playing their football higher up the pitch. Yeah. Um, so you've got to, as I say, you've got to have that. You've just got to have that balance and, and doing things right at times, and not being, you know, too kamikaze, if you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now you started out at the very beginning at Buckley Town in the lower division Welsh leagues. 
Did you ever think when you were playing at that level that you'd end up playing in the Premier League? No, of course not. I think, um, you know, you're always hoping. I was at Chester as a kid up until I was 15, I think, and then just didn't, sort of wasn't enjoying it too much. So again, as you say, I was living in North Wales and just going playing in the, in the Welsh leagues for my local team and got until I was 18, 19, perhaps when I was getting one or two trials at a few clubs. I went to Tramia, Wrexham, Cambridge, I think I went down to. Um, and they were asking me, to, you know, if, you know, if I fancied coming in for longer periods, but I needed something to do. And I was obviously working at the time. Um, so decision and then Chester obviously came back in and said they were in the conference, as I said at the time, and I was playing for Buckley and they, they, they were full-time, albeit they were struggling in the conference and asked me if I fancied coming back and playing full-time. So, so I did. Um, I, was a, I was a wood machinist at the time in a factory, you know, making doors, stairs and windows. Um, so I knocked that job on the head and decided, yeah, I want to give it a go and see how it went at Chester. And I say, thankfully, a couple of years down the line, and you know, two or three seasons at Chester and got the chance to, you know, I knew one or two scouts were having a look at me and I was doing OK. And uh, yeah, I, was, I remember playing my last game for Chester against Macclesfield in League Two, I think, nil-nil. Um, the corner came in, I, I scored, scored a header, we won 1-0. And I was in my car on the way home and the agent rang me and he said, um, get your bags packed, a, a deal's been agreed up at Sunderland, so uh, we're heading up there tomorrow. So, so that was that, a nice nice sort of way to leave Chester, yeah. really. Um, oh, great. Scored a 90-second 90, 90 minute winner <laughs> and uh, then, as I say, the next minute I'm on the, on the way up to the northeast to sign for Sunderland. So it was a big step. Yeah, it was a, of course it's a big step, you know, yeah. playing in front of Chester in front of four or five thousand fans um, to, uh, to, you know, to come up to the northeast, see the stadium, the training facilities at Sutherland, fan base, everything about it was a big step up for me. And, you know, something you have to adjust to quite quick. Otherwise, you, you know, you get, you get caught up. Definitely. And obviously, so now you've sort of, you finished with actually playing football and you've, you've done like, you've been co-hosting the Sunderland podcast and, I've been saying like a lot and a lot of people and I can definitely see it as well. You're very well spoken. You know a lot about what you, you've experienced a lot in the football world. So do you reckon you could ever see yourself maybe going into the media like punditry or anything? Because you definitely would be able to do it. It's just a question of if you yeah. sort of had the chances to get in there. Yeah, I'll be, um, I've returned at the end of not the season just finished, the one before, uh, I, turned, well, I turned 40 last week. So, um, yeah, I had a couple of seasons down at Grimsby, travelling back and two. Um, got two little boys who were getting older now, so they were getting sick of me being away from home. I was staying down there in the hotels. Um, so, you know, there's got to be a time where you call it a day. And yeah. you know, my agent said there was one or two other offers further up north, but I just thought, no, I still, I still feel good in terms of my body. Um, I've looked at obviously I've done my B license a couple of years ago. I was supposed mm. to do my A license in May, um, but that got um, halted with uh, with yeah, COVID okay. going on. So that's put back to next year. Um, I mean, you know, I said I've done BBC Newcastle covered. You know, doing a bit. They have a total sports show on up here where they have a, a Newcastle and a Sunday Sunderland pundit that come into the studios and I go in there. You know, a couple of times a week doing that sort of stuff and chatting with the you know the fans calling and stuff. So I've enjoyed that and. Looking at you know getting into the co-commentaries uh, possibly with with uh, Barnsley on the Sunderland games. Um, mm. Done a couple in the the EFL Trophy with him last season, so I'm enjoying that. Yeah, and then I, I did get down on the um, on the transfer show with Sky last year. I maybe debut down there and enjoyed that. The, the, yeah. the issue you've got in terms of 
cover, coverage with Sunderland because they're in League One. Um, in terms of Sky, the coverage isn't as big. You know, they don't obviously have yeah. too many games on Sky. Yeah. If they get up into the Championship, then you know they have the Friday a lot of Friday night games on Sky, don't they? In the Championship, so there might be mm-hmm. job opportunities there. And again, if they go if they get back up to the Premier League, then the coverage again grows massive and. There's, there's more job opportunities covering Sunderland in terms of that as well. But I don't want to just limit myself to Sunderland just because I'm living here and obviously, I've, you know, I have a good good few years at the club. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm open to, to other, you know, options of going in. And I think I spoke to someone, uh, Quest, you know, obviously cover cover the Football League. Um, yeah. They they spoke to somebody last week about me possibly going on there next season. So, I'll have a, I'll have a look at a few options and that. But yeah, as I say, I've, I've enjoyed my early retirement phase and, yeah. Weighing things up and uh, just see how it goes from there, really. Yeah, definitely. Now, we usually ask a question near the end of the episode uh, about what the players think about their FIFA rating. But right. as you're retired, we'll, we'll ask you a slightly different one. Yeah. Throughout your playing career, did you ever check up on what your FIFA rating was or were you not into gaming that much? No, I, I did like gaming, but I was more of a Call of Duty man. Um, oh, okay. when, I, when I joined Stoke, actually, funny enough, the lads were all into the Call of Duty. You know, the Modern Warfare had sort of just started up yeah. in 2009 Um So they reminded me to go out and get an Xbox. So I went out and then, as you say, got the headsets on and I was well into the... Uh, the gaming world, but not, never really been massive on the footballing side of it for the gaming, to be honest with you. I was oh, more man. of a shoot 'em up guy. So uh Call of Duty was was my bag back in the day. My little lads are obviously into the Fortnite at the minute. So oh, yeah. I do go in there, play room and have, have a watch of them on the Fortnite and that. And I did I did set my Xbox back up a few months ago for I still got the three sixty in there. So uh I set it up for him and said, Yeah, I can have a little game on the uh, on the Call of Duty what Danny used to play on. So but yeah. uh, no, I wouldn't have a clue on ratings and all that side of it. I'm sorry to, to, to let you down on that one. Oh, that's all good. Uh, finally, if we ask you uh, a bit more of a sensible question, what advice would you give to young people who dream of becoming you know, professional footballers? And, and what would you say want, made you want to become a defender? Because mainly most young people just want to become strikers. Yeah, I think um, yeah, looking at my path into the game, really, um, you you know, I didn't come into professional football until I was 20, so it was late in terms of that. And I think if you ask most little lads now uh, what, what they want to do, most of them say they want to be a footballer. So they're obviously not all going to make it. I think um, you can't force it in a way. Yes, you've, you've got to have a natural ability and you can have some coaching guidance along the way and see how it develops over the time. Even my, I say my two little boys are five and eight and I don't put pressure on them. They, they play for the local local team down the road on yeah. a Saturday morning. I took, you know, training Tuesday nights and I don't put pressure on them. I just go and enjoy it at that age, really, and mm-hmm. see how see how things plan out for them. And you do yeah. need, you need some luck along the way, you know. The scouts who are out there looking at you and, you know, take a chance on you, if you like, in terms of taking you into the professional game and and you see how you go from there. And then it's obviously up to you then to, to develop and to, to push yourself and to kick on and, and to try and look after yourself in the right way, I think. Football over the last, even since I came into it professionally, I think I was sort of caught the end of the old school, if you like, in terms of hmm. lads, you know, like to go out for a beer after the game and stuff. But because in this day and age, it's it's purely more about athletes and you have your sports scientists and they're all on top of you at the clubs, then you can't get yeah. away with it as much and you have to look after your body, hmm. you know, especially now the games are going to come thick and fast because they're going to, condense the season down a bit and it's going to be Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. You've got to look after your body and 
fuel up right. I think, you know, lads, all the, the right stuff to eat and to drink and that and how to look after yourself in the, in the correct way. But if they want to, you know, if lads are going to go out and go out for a few drinks on a Saturday night and not look after themselves, then they might well get found out, I think, yeah. Touching back on the younger lads and that, so if you're asking me, the advice I'd give them is enjoy your football, don't put too much pressure on yourselves and go out there and it'll all fall into place for you, I think, if uh, if you do the right things and your parents aren't too pushy, uh, you know, you've just got the right coaches and the right the right people around you and just keep working out. Brilliant. That is all we have time for. Thank you so much for coming on, Danny, and sharing uh, those tales with us and we wish you all the best in the future. No problem. Um, thank you all for listening that was the final whistle